Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from Pastor Paul Ogando. Amen, amen. Hey, get your Bibles out in your phone, iPad, whatever you have, however you do it. Um, if you're online, you can connect with us online. Um, if you're on live.rockchurch.com, there's a little tab there that says Bible notes. You can follow along, so connect with us in every way. Interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. So today, I, I just want to continue. I was going to talk kind of about freedom. So it was a freedom weekend, but the Lord kept driving me back to stick with the book of Acts. Pastor Dan has walked us through the story of us, the story of us. This is part six of this series. And just to put sort of a subtitle to it, I called it All in the Family, All in the Family. And when I say that, I'm not referring to the show of the 70s, right, with Archie Bunker. I'm not talking about that at all. Not all in the family when it comes to that. I'm talking about that everything happens within families. And in, the reality is that the Word of God calls us family. And that's a description for Christianity in the Word of God. Many call themselves, and we call each other, brother and sister in the Lord. There is a reason why we use those expressions. But like in every family, sometimes there are issues within the family we have to deal with. Are you with me today? And maybe your family is great, but, you know, some families, we all have our thing, man. We all have, my, I have a small family. My father, when I was young, just my mom, my sister, and I. And even then, we had our issues, just the three of us. And so there are things that happen within family that the Word of God gives us a pattern on how to deal with these situations. I'll give you one that's kind of funny, but it's true in my family, in my family. So my kids, our family, our thing is on your birthday, you get to choose the donuts you want. That's our thing, right? And we had to reduce it down to birthday because dad was getting a little too big. Um, and so we just decided, hey, we're going to cut it down to birthdays. Um, and so we just said, we'll do it on birthday. So we go and pick, right, and all the kids. And sometimes I'll get an extra one. My favorite one is the chocolate bar, the delicious chocolate bar. They were fresh, man. The guy was like, hey, I just made them. And I was like, I can't eat them. It's for an illustration. Um, and so they're, they're great, right? And so we get this process. And so I'll tell my kids, I'll tell my kids, hey, listen, kids, I am going to just, we're not going to eat this. You guys can have it and you guys can split it. As soon as I say that, an interesting pattern emerges. All of a sudden, someone wants to decide how to split it, right? So let's start there. Someone wants to dispense justice on the donut. And so they begin, and they cut it this way, and before they cut it, then they measure it to make sure, and they go like this, they put their finger, and then they cut it over here, right? And everybody says, okay, we got three pieces, so we're good to go, right? Uh-uh. Now we're going to lift the pieces and we're going to measure them to make sure we get the right one. And you think, are these kids crazy? First of all, you did not pay for the donuts, so just eat what you're giving, right? But something happens when we get a benefit about something and we want to dispense in a way that benefits me, right? And in the same way happens in the faith, same way. The same way happened within our church. That sometimes things are rising us where you're like, man, I'm dealing with my brother or sister, but it's different. And the same thing happened with Jesus. So anything, anytime you have something happen to you, you want to look at Jesus as the direction in your life. Jesus picks 12 men, 12 men, the 12 disciples. You guys know of them. It's an amazing thing. And he's dealing with these 12 guys. These 12 guys are amazing. They do great things among Jesus. One day, one day, the mom of, the two, of two of the disciples of the 12 comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, can I ask you something? Jesus, of course. Jesus, very polite, very nice. Jesus says, when you are in your kingdom, I want one of my boys to your right and the other one to your left. In other words, she decided to split the donut the way that was convenient to her. 
That's what she did. She took a benefit, which is the kingdom of God, and said, I want you to split it in this particular way that benefits me. Wow. So Jesus said, hey, let, let, let me tell you. She said, that's not my job. Tells the lady, that's not my job. And tells him about suffering. Said, if you want that, you're going to have to suffer for the gospel. Ooh. And then tells the disciples, says, hey, guys, I want to tell you something. See, the leaders and the governments out in the world, you know what they do? When they come into power, they take control of the people and they demand things of the people. So Jesus is saying, that's what happens out there. That's what happens, people in authority. And then tells them the following, Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, and Acts chapter 6. We're going to be in those two scriptures, if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 20 and Acts 6. And here's what Jesus says says, out there, this is what they do. They take authority, they govern, they control. But then says this, verse 26. Yet it shall not be so among you. Can you say, not with me? I'll say like you believe it. Not with me. Can you type it? Not with me. See, when that happens, Jesus says, they deal in a way that is not our family. Have you ever had to do that with your children? Where you tell them, where your children come and say, well, so-and-so's parents let them do X, Y, Z. And what is your answer? Not in our family. Right? I mean, that's my answer. I'm like, I don't care what they do. This is what we do. Well, Jesus is doing the same thing. He says, that's how they deal with stuff. But we deal in a different way. In the family of God, things are dealt with in a different manner. And so when we have our differences, which will come in the family of God, whether whatever, so-and-so told me this, or brother so-and-so offended me this way, or somebody sat in my seat, whatever it may be, I don't know, right? Whatever comes up, we deal with it differently. And he's given us a pattern. Look at this. Jesus goes and said, not so among you. Then says, but whoever desires to become great among you, if you desire to be great in the family of God among you, let him be your servant. Oh, so he's given a different description. He's saying, in that family, that's how they deal. In our family, let me tell you how we deal with it. Verse 27, and whoever desires to be the first among you, let him be your slave. So, so he's bringing some tough words and, and words about this particular environment where they live in the times of Jesus. Verse 28, and just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So here's Jesus and comes and says, in that family out there, they deal one way. But in our family, guys, we're not fighting for position. We're not fighting to be the best. As a matter of fact, he says, if you want to be the best, I want you to do something. Become someone else's servant. I want you to change the position of your heart towards somebody and someone. And I know it's not a popular message nowadays, but it is the Christian message. Because Jesus in verse 28 said, I came to do that. I left heaven, absolutely every benefit of the kingdom of God to become like you so that you have a better life. So that you have a better life. And all of us would say, hey, I want to be like my mom. I want to be like my dad. We want to inspire. Why not be like Jesus? Why not be like Jesus? And that's, that's interesting because he uses two words. He uses the word diakonos, which is for servant. And then for slave, he uses the word doulos, which is bond servant. And Jesus is saying, if you want to be great, you want to be a diaconist. You can be good, which is from the word deacon. That we get a deacon in church, that's the word. But then he says, if you want to be top, top in the kingdom of heaven, then you'll be a doulos. You'll be a bond servant to your brother. You'll be somebody who chooses your brother or sister above your own desires. 
No amen to that? <laughs> right? Because for the most part, let's be honest with ourselves. We want things to go our way. Can I be honest? I want things to go my way. But in the kingdom of God, in this family, we deal differently. We manage things in a different manner. We see the lens differently because we see through the lens of Jesus. And he wants us to see life in a different way. And if you don't hear anything else from me, if you check out, if you're, oh, man, I don't get this guy, when pastor then coming back, whatever, whatever you decide to do, I want you to get one thing. That the way we deal with issues in the family of God is different than the way we deal with them out there in the world. And that's it. That's it. The way we deal with things in the family of God has to be different than the way things are dealt in the world. And that is a biblical principle that a lot of times we want to ignore. But it is a reality if we're going to be true and 100% servants of Jesus. And it's a challenge to our flesh. It's a challenge to our way of thinking. But when it's all in the family, we have to reconsider this. Because we make accommodations for our family. We do. In every way, we make accommodations in order to deal with our families. I get it. You get it. Every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, we make accommodations for the uncle we don't like, for the cousin that offended us. We figure out a way and we share a meal. And Jesus is saying, do the same in the faith. Do the same. Accommodate. So here's what happens. Here's what happens. In the book of Acts, what happens is the church explodes. Just like Pastor Dan told us a few weeks ago, the church gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches 3,000 people. 3,000. So 500 more seats than you see here in one day came to the Lord. 3,000 people filled a place looking for God. So the family of God grew tremendously. Won't you know that when there's people, there's problems? Right? So even though they're filled with spirit, there's miracles happening, things are amazing, there's some problems happening. And that's where we find that in Acts chapter 6. Go with me there. 6-1, I'll read it. It says, now, in those days, say those days. So this is happening then, and God is trying to deal with it. In those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, so the church was growing at a rapid rate, an incredible rate, was multiplying, there arose a complaint, oh wow, a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. So, so let, me, let me do this. Because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Let me just give you an idea what happened. Some translations say that their complaint was against the Gentiles. And that is not a correct translation. It was against the Hellenists. And Hellenists were Hebrew that spoke Greek. And so the Hebrew that spoke Hebrew, or the Jews that spoke Hebrew, were neglecting those that spoke a different language, even though they were from the same family. So we have a problem in this particular church. And please, 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 let me make sure so that your mind doesn't go there. I'm not trying to make a political statement. Get that out of your mind. I am so apolitical as they come. Like, I'm not making a political statement. I'm making a Christian statement. I'm making a statement that these guys were full of the Holy Spirit. These guys saw Jesus ascend. These guys are in contact with Peter and, and, the, and the 12. I mean, these guys are in the greatest presence of God ever, and yet they're arguing because somebody's not getting the dinner the right way. In other words, the donut was split the wrong way in the book of Acts. That's exactly what happened. And these Jews, even though they're sort of in their position, they're saying, we're not treating them well. So, so they said, hey, hey, listen, let's talk to the apostles because our people 
is not being treated right. They're not getting right, even though they were the same family. They just spoke a different language. So these guys were pure. They spoke Hebrew. They knew the mother tongue. These guys grew up second, third generation. So they just learned kind of the language of the time, which was Greek. Yet these guys were serving these people the wrong way. So Jesus is saying, the word of God is saying, hey, let's fix it. Because when we're on the family, there's a solution for this problem. Are you with me? Very important. So verse 2, I'll just read it and then we'll break it down. It says, Then the twelve summoned the multiple of disciples and said, It is not desirable, they say, that we should leave the word of God and serve the tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we would give ourselves continually, they say, to prayer and to ministry of the word of God. And the same pleased the whole multitude. So the, the solution is good. People are agreeing to that. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip and Prochorus and a bunch of names there, Nicholas, a, a proselyte from Antioch. So they picked these seven guys. So verse 6, whom they said before the apostles, and when they pray, they lay their hands on them. So there's a solution, and they're praying for the solution. Verse 7, then the word of God spread, and the numbers of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So here's we have a dynamic where there's a big issue in the family of God, and they're working out a solution. Are you with me today? I want to give you three things that the story of us reflects. So if you're a Christian, if you're walking with God, this is your story. This is my story. And somehow our predecessors in the walk of God found a solution to an argument within the church in three ways. Why? Because for us to solve a difference in God, we have to find three things that I see here in the book of Acts. And the first thing they did is they kept the main thing, the main thing. They kept the main thing, the main thing. Can you say that? Can you say the main thing? See, a lot of times when we get into an argument, we tend to go into tangents and different things to level the argument to go my way because we all want to benefit from it. Like my kids get into an argument over doing, oh, so-and-so didn't cut it right, and last time he got the biggest piece, and how about me today, right? So we try to argue that way, and what happens is the apostles did not fall into that type of conversation. They did not get into a brawl over somebody on Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp. They didn't. See, if they had it, that's what the options of the apostles are. But they didn't. They didn't get into a discussion over any of that stuff. They kept the main thing the main thing. And we need to do that. We need to find a way to get back to what is the main thing in our lives. Here's how they did it. So the apostles go, and Book of Acts, I'm living in New Living Translation, reading says this. So the 12 called the meeting of all the believers. It's so interesting that Jesus did this with them, and now they're having to do it with the church. Except that the church was like 3,000 people right? Not just 12. So they're calling everybody into a big room and saying, guys, we have to work this out. We have to work this out. They call the 12, call the family at the time and say, we apostle should spend our time teaching the word of God. Teaching what? Oh, I'll say it like you just woke up. Teaching the what? Word the word of God. So the disciples didn't go, I'm here and I'm going to tell you how to solve the problem. Uh-uh. They said, hey guys, listen, we have to stay focused to what's the main thing. What brought us together was Jesus. What brought us together was knowing the Word of God. This is what becomes a common language to all of us, is the Word of God. So we have to keep the main thing the main thing. And so they say we're going to continue the Word of God and not running the food program. Sometimes we demand so much of our pastors and leaders to do certain things. They may not even be equipped to do so because certain solutions require, certain problems require a different solution than we're used to. 
And this is what they're doing. They're saying, this is a problem, but it has a different solution than what we're used to. Verse number three, we already know, hey, select seven brothers, well-respected, full of the spirit of wisdom. We'll look at it in a minute and give them the responsibility. Look at it again. They repeat themselves. Verse number four, they say, then we, the apostle, can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word of God. Oh, man. Let, let me pause this. Let me pause this. A lot of people have walked away from their main thing in their life, and that's Jesus. We have put our vision in the government. We placed our vision in something else to solve our solution. But when we gave our lives to Christ, we said, Jesus, you are the most important thing in my life, and I'm going to make you the center of it. And when pressure came, we went. We removed our eyes. And the disciples said, no, 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 no. I know there's an issue in our family. We have to figure it out. But we have to maintain the main thing, the main thing. We, we cannot go on a tangent in this solution. Because when our hearts, when we're focused on Jesus, we have different lenses to see life. Life just becomes different when we do that. It's completely different. It's so important. Anytime you have an issue in life, let me put it to you this way. Find out what Jesus did, and you'll get a solution for your problem. If you keep the main thing, the main thing. It is so crucial. So crucial. Let me give you one more. Jesus is having invited to a dinner of his friends. Martha, Mary, Lazarus. They're friends of Jesus. You know the story. So they're throwing a party. And they're throwing a great dinner. Jesus shows up. Everybody's great. Everybody's dressed up, you know, nice. They're sitting at the table. Everybody's trying to enjoy the meal. But Jesus, before the, as the meal's being prepped in the kitchen, Jesus is sitting and he's just, man, he's just, I mean, spitting fire, wisdom and glory. And he was like, oh my gosh. And Mary's like, I'm going to go get some of that. I'm going to go get some Jesus. So Mary goes out and Martha is rolling tortillas by herself in the kitchen. She's like, this ain't right. This ain't right. I'm going to go argue my rights. This ain't right. I can't be here just working by myself making this meal. So she goes out because Mary's all basking in the presence while she's making a meal. And says, Jesus, what's going on? Tell my sister to get back in the kitchen with me to make this meal for you. Now, Martha is correct. Martha is working hard. No, there's no denying that. It's got to be really hard to make a meal for that many people. I'm sure there's a lot of guests to be near Jesus. It's very complicated. So she's working hard. She's in her right to do that. But she lost focus as to what is the main thing in her life. I laugh all the time because my wife and I were Martha and Mary. I'm all work and she's all glory. And I'm like, lady, get off of the cloud. We got to get this done, right? And she's like, you're so mean. Get into Jesus. And I'm like, okay, we, gotta, we need help, right? Um, and so Jesus decides to have a conversation. So Martha goes out and says, Jesus, you got to tell my sister. Look at Jesus' answer. He says, verse 41 of Luke chapter 10 in the New Living Translation says, But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all the details. And when I read that, I tell you what, people in our society today are worried and upset about many things. People have lost their fuse. Everybody's short fuse right now. Everybody's frustrated. Everybody's worried and upset. And Jesus is saying, in our family, in the family of faith, it cannot be so. It cannot be so. So he's saying, you're worried and upset about many things. Look at his focus. Verse 42. There is only one thing. Can you say one thing? One thing. Type it out. One thing. One thing. Jesus is saying there's only one thing, Martha, that should be your concern. There's only one thing. 
Look at this. That you should be concerned about. Married has discovered, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus says, there's only one thing right now, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, in this place, watching us online, that you should be concerned about. How close am I to Jesus right now? That should be your only concern this very moment. How close am I? Am I at his feet, or am I concerned trying to fix something in the kitchen of life? Where am I? And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, forget that. We're going to get to it. We're going to work on some things. But first, we got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And that is being at the free Jesus, because that's not going to be taken away from you for nothing. If you're a focused man, there's nobody that can take that away from you. There's no uh, person that's upset and worrying the line at the Vaughn's or, or Lowe's, whatever, throwing a tantrum. If you're focused on Jesus, that's not your focus. You're going to overcome that some way, somehow. Cutting you off on the freeway, that's not your focus. You're going to overcome that some way, somehow. A neighbor, you're going to overcome that some way, somehow, because your focus is on Jesus. Your focus is on Jesus. Something happens in us, my friend. When in our family, we keep the main thing, the main thing. Here's number two. Here's number two for today. I only have three. Here's number two. Find the person of peace. And if I can add something, find the person of peace and of wisdom to help you through the process. What tends to happen is we tend to find the person that already agrees with us. <laughs> right, right? Because we want somebody to cooperate with our opinion. The problem is, to arrive to a good conclusion, sometimes we need an opposite opinion of our situation to open our eyes. And I don't like it. I know you don't. I don't like it. I don't like it when my wife says, I see what you're saying, but I see it this way. I'm like, I don't want that. I want you to see it my way. <laughs> right, right? Like, that's just how we are. Right? I want the donut to be handed me the best piece because that's the way I want it. Just something happens in us, my friend. And in the family of God, we have to find the people of wisdom and of peace to guide us through tough situations. We have to find that person we can call. Come on, give, give a hand of praise. Give God praise. You're going to give him a hand. Come on, you, you're excited. We have to find that person that would guide us to Jesus. We have to find that person that would guide us to wisdom and peace. We have to find that person that will give us that perspective where you say, okay, I see it. Oh, man, I'm going to think about it. And I'm going to guide myself to wisdom and peace. Here's what the disciples did, Acts 6, 3 to 5, and the, and the Amplified Version says, Therefore, brothers, choose from among you. So, so the disciples are saying, not that they have the solution. They're saying the community of faith has the solution. Oh, oh you thought we were the overall all and every all in all? Uh-uh. The community of faith, the family, and the brothers and the sisters also have an opinion. And there's people, wisdom and peace, sitting right now and watching us online right now that have some solutions to some situations in our lives. The disciples said, hey, let's find people in our family of faith. And look at the description. Find seven men, and I would add women too in today's date. Uh, seven men with good reputation. Look at the description. Men of godly character and moral integrity. So not your crazy cousin and not the, the dude that just came to the Lord two days ago. Right, like, like those people have to grow. But man of godly character and moral integrity, full, full of the Spirit, because some people are half full of the Spirit. These people are full of the Spirit, right? And, and, and a what? Wisdom. And a wisdom whom we may put in charge of this task. So the disciples are saying, 
there's a problem of distribution here, not just in the food program, but there's a problem happening where people are not viewing each other. So we need people of peace and of wisdom to help us guide this process. How amazing. How amazing. It, it goes on. It goes on. Verse 4. But we will continue to devote ourselves steadfastly to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So they're saying, we'll go back to the main thing. You guys, the community, can work on these situations. Verse number 5. That suggestion, please. How many in the congregation? The whole congregation. Everybody. The family was agreeing to a process. The family. And my friends, the situations we're going through today, we need the family of God to come together and work how to move forward in the things of God. Are you with me? The family, the family. And they selected Stephen, a man full of faith in Christ Jesus, filled and led by the Holy Spirit. And, and Stephen is important because even though he was selected here, chapter 7, you see Stephen preach an amazing message and then died for the cause of Jesus at the feet of the Apostle Paul. Not yet the Apostle Paul, but Saul of Tarsus. And I, I can guarantee you, that even though Saul did not give his life to the Lord there, that experience stayed in his mind. I can guarantee you that. Because you don't see somebody died for a cause that passionate and that not stayed in you. So a man who brought a solution to the community of faith became a catalyst in the movement of the church of God because he was filled with the Spirit and he was full of wisdom. And that's the kind of men and women we need today in our churches, my friends. People full of wisdom and full of peace and full of the Spirit to guide us through this process. So important. I heard this uh, a phrase. Abraham Lincoln said, Sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side because God is always right. God is always right. That's where we want to be. We want to be on God's side. And when you think of wisdom, let me give you a description that's in the Word of God in the book of James. Book of James, chapter 3, verse 17, there's a description of wisdom. Look at this. And the ESV version says, But the wisdom from above, look at this description, how beautiful, is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So whenever somebody says, hey, I'm going to give you wisdom, grab what they say and run it through this filter. Run through this filter. Is what they're saying is pure? Receive it. Is it impartial? Receive it. Or they're saying, well, no, get the biggest piece of donut because those other two people don't matter. Right? Like, is it impartial? Is it sincere? Is it good fruit? Will it give you good fruit? So when you think of wisdom, you want to run it through these filters and know, God, this is a person of peace and wisdom speaking to me. I got to consider these things. And so because we need that in the family of God, we're all together in the family of God. Solving the differences in the family of God. Third and last one for today. Third and last one for today is this. Encourage unity. Encourage unity. I, I'm not talking about uniformity. Because a lot of times there's a confusion with that. With uniformity and unity. Uniformity is different. Uniformity is we all look the same. And we sort of mar march the same way. And that some institutions need that. In the, in the body of Christ, there's not uniformity, but there's always an inkling towards unity. And this is so important. I grew up going to school with uniforms. And so I got used to them. And I understood once I had my own kids why it was so good. See, my mom bought me two pairs of pants and three shirts for the rest of the year. You wash those suckers, you go to school with those three. 
free, right? Um, but when I went to shop for my three kids last year, it was like $600. I was like, I want my uniform. These kids are killing me, right? Um, but it's funny because when we think of that, the idea is to make everybody sort of look the same because it, it becomes simpler and simplified. But in the gospel, it's not simple, simplified. But there's a concept of unity, which is different than uniformity. Unity is we're together because there's one thing greater than our backgrounds that's binding us, that's bringing us together. And it's so important. My friends, I got the privilege to go to the continent of Africa last year. And I had, I had no plans to do that um, ever, but I found out that there's a country, and I knew about it a little bit. There's a country that is a Spanish-speaking country in the continent of Africa called Equatorial Guinea. And so I was like, oh my gosh, no way. I thought only Latin America and Spain, we spoke Spanish. And so I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And so I, you know, worked the trip with an evangelist, um, uh, Spanish evangelist. And so I'll go with you. I'll go on your crusade. Pastor didn't allow me to go. Um, and so I went and it just blew my mind, blew my mind that across the world, somebody that does not look like me, we spoke the same language, but that's not what united us. What united us was Christ. They had said yes to Jesus. I had said yes to Jesus. We found common ground and we were worshiping together. We were serving together. We were reading the Bible together. Something greater than who we are in our background brought us together. And my friends, in the family of God right now, if you look around, something greater than what you see is binding us together. We said yes to one God, one sacrifice, one blood, one heaven, a God three in one. We said yes to that. We said yes to that. And in the family of Christ, that's what binds us. And when we're all in the family, we have to deal with those situations. With that in mind, I want unity with my brother and sister. I want to find a way to find common ground with my brother and sister. Because that's what we do in our own families. And sometimes our families, we're separated. We haven't talked to our father, mother, or brother for a long time. But Jesus says, the way they deal with it out there is not the same. We got to deal with it in here. He challenged us to go a little further than what we're comfortable with. It's uncomfortable. Because my brother may not do things the way I do it, but there's something common in us, the blood of Jesus. I remember when I was a young man, um, I went with a friend, and this happened to my friend. Um, he's a pastor now in the Dominican Republic, and uh, we went to a Baptist church. He was invited, and so this Baptist church is a beautiful church, and one of the nicest churches in the Dominican Republic. They have an amazing choir, and so they're singing these hymns, and they're absolutely, I mean, gorgeous, right? We come from a charismatic background, just like here. We have drums, guitar, all kinds of stuff in our churches, right? And for them, we're just way out there. So they are a lot more peaceful, but the hymn was so beautiful. So my friend, and as we're raising raising her hand, and my friend Pedro, he's raising his hand, and the usher walks up and says, hey, man, put your hands down, brother, put your hands down, we don't do that here, he's like, oh, okay, okay, now, we could have started throwing theology there, you haven't read Psalm 150, and Psalm 80, what are you talking about, man, we got your praise, we got to do all this, right, because that's our expression, guess what, that's not what united us, they chose to do that way, it's okay to do it that way, they were singing to Jesus, we were moved by the Spirit, we just had a different expression, different expression, but our emphasis was unity above uniformity. We just didn't look the same that day. We didn't look the same, but we were aiming at one goal, and that is to honor Jesus. With a ham, rock, and my favor is Church of God in Christ. They got some heavy-duty musicians. My brother, if you've never enjoyed a service, oh, you got to do that, right? I love it. And so I love music. And so when I see the variations of music in different churches, I am moved by it. When I went to Africa, I wish I could dance like they did. I just don't have that level of rhythm. But it was so amazing. It was so amazing. And I thought to myself, Jesus, you have so much wisdom. 
that you chose your son to unite us in one common belief in your son, Jesus Christ, or his blood. Because when it's all in the family, that's what binds us, my friend. That is exactly what binds us in everything we do. Look at this. I'll end with this. When the church found unity, when the church found the person of peace and wisdom, look what happened. Acts chapter 6, verse 7 says, Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. All of a sudden, when the church was of common ground, God sent this blessing upon the church in a greater way. God absolutely poured his spirit upon the church in a greater way. And for us, that is the challenge we're seeing. We're saying, God, we need your blessing. We need your direction. We need your Holy Spirit. And God is saying, we have to work together all in the family in order for me to continue to send my blessing and to let it ring among you guys. Because the way we deal with our differences in the church will always be different than the way things are dealt with in the world. Always. Because our unity comes from Christ and through Christ. And as long as we keep the main thing, God is going to lead us where he wants us to be. I'll end with this verse, one of my favorites. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, says this, verse 19. Now, therefore, and he was just talking about the sacrifice of Jesus, how through the blood of Jesus, we've all become one in Christ. And he says, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Wow. Can you do something? Can we read it together? And you personalize it. Let's read it together. One, two, three. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's who you are, and that's who I am in Christ. So church, this day, I'm inviting you, the words invite us, that in the story of us, in the book of Acts, there were things that brought a wedge in the church. There was things that were uncomfortable in the church, but they found a way through the situation. They found a way through it. And the way they did it is keeping the main thing, the main thing. As long as you're getting close to Jesus, he's going to guide you in whatever situation you're in. They found the person of peace and wisdom within their community. Somebody's going to give them a word of understanding as to where they're at in their particular situation in life. And number three, they decided, hey, I'm going to find unity in this process. We may not look the same. We may not do things the same way. But in the end, we're bound by the blood of Jesus. And you're my brother and you're my sister because that is exactly what the word of God says. I am not a foreigner. I'm not a stranger to you. We're common in the household of God from this day forward and until eternity because that's what he word says. It's all in the family, my friend. Would you praise God today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Pray with me right there. Just close your eyes. Just bow your head. Just pray with me. Maybe you're that person today and you find yourself separated from a friend. Maybe you got into a spat online over situations that are happening today and are very real to us. And now maybe you regret it or you feel you're in position, but I'm asking you today to ask your Father, your Father in heaven, tell him, God, how should I fix this? How should I re-engage to my brother or my sister? How, how can I fix the situation? If you're good, if you're being great, maybe you are that person of peace and wisdom. You can ask the Lord, Lord, would you guide me and give me peace and wisdom to speak unto others' life? Is that you today? Would you consider that? Would you ask the Lord and start asking the Lord, God, guide me today. I need to hear from you. I need your direction in my life in this area. Right there. Let's pray together. Continue to ask the Lord. Lord, speak to me. If you're online, 
Maybe it's your situation. Maybe it is your household. Maybe it's a friendship that has come your way. Would you start asking the Lord to guide you this day, to speak to you in this very hour, in this hour of need? Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. Father God, I just pray for my brother and sister today. And I just ask that you would speak to us this very hour. If we've been far from you, maybe our hearts have been hardened by situations within this family of faith that have separated us from a brother or sister. I pray that you would bring wisdom. You would speak to us this very hour, Lord, that we could hear from you and walk alongside our brother and sister in this matter. Lord, I pray for each person right now that you will continue to speak to us this very hour. Maybe it's time that you take action. So today, if God is giving you an action point, saying, hey, give them a call, send them a text, start using your platform online to share good stuff and good thoughts. Just ask the Lord, Lord, what is the plan for me? What should I do in my situation? He will speak to you. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I just pray for all of us here at the Rock Church and Well Outreach Center and those who are watching us online. May we follow you, that in the story of us, may we follow the Heavenly Father as to how to walk through a difficult situation in our life in this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God is so faithful. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.